Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Pray, care, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with, with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. I want to start this week by picking up where we left off from last week. You know, I, I've talked about there are no chapters or verses or anything when, when the Bible was written, right? That didn't get put into place until like 1557 or so, so like about 1,500 years after the Bible was written, right? Somebody said, hey, we should, knock, we should break this thing down into chapters and verses to make it easier for people to read, which is a good thing, but it doesn't always work right, right? So really, the last verse of chapter 5 really belongs with the first part of chapter 6. So it should say, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. If you were here last Sunday, or maybe you just need a reminder, remember that I talked about how we are to be living in the Spirit. That we are supposed to be people of the Spirit. And that if we are people of the Spirit, then by all means, let's line up with the Spirit. So how do we do that? Well, that is what Paul is talking about here in verses six, chapter 6. How do we line up with the Spirit? How do we live in community? We are to be a people that make up a spiritual community. That's what church is. Ecclesia, the word for church, means the gathering of the believers. Right? It's to be a community of people that love the Lord and love Jesus. A spiritual family. If COVID has taught us anything, 
It's that God did not create us to live alone. God did not create us to live in isolation. God did not create us to do it on our own. And isn't that so kind of anti what we normally believe? We've got to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. We've got to be strong. We've got to just bear down and press through, and we just got to get there. That's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus, the way that Jesus set it up, is that you live in a community of believers that love Jesus, and you help each other. You carry each other. I don't know how people live without community. I don't. I, I don't know how people live without a family. I don't know how people live without a spiritual family, a church family. I don't know how they get along. And there are people that for 18 months or more have been all alone, by themselves. Do you know that in prisons, there is a, and John, you might be able to tell me this better, but there is a limit to how long someone can be in isolation because they will go nuts. Is that right? 23 hours. All right, see, John knows. You are allowed to be in isolation. 23 hours you are allowed to be by yourself. Because it's cruel and unusual punishment to go any longer. But we do that on our own. We set up silos and we set up fences and we set up garages and we just go and we don't have community with anyone. And folks, that's okay for the rest of the world, but it's not okay for the people of Jesus. Have you ever wondered... If there's a different way to do this Christian thing, I have a lot. I know several times in the series I've alluded to it, but have you ever thought that maybe, just maybe, there is supposed to be more to this life with Jesus than what we do now? More than a good song service once a week and, and an okay sermon, right? More than that. My youth minister growing up, um, he's now one of my really good friends, Brant Hansen. Uh, he's the Christian radio guy that some of you guys might have heard before. He started a, uh, a new podcast with, with a, a, another author whom I respect uh, named Lance Ford. and They called it Living in Post-Christian America. And uh, that's, that's really where we are. We're not a... We're not a Christian nation anymore. Sorry if you think we are. We're not. Um, and so the question that they are trying to tackle is, how do we live in a nation that is really not so much Christian anymore? How, how are we supposed to live as a Christian? Brant and Lance have both been pastors in the local church, and now they're doing other things. One's on the radio, one's writing books. They're both writing books. 
One's consulting and, and talking with churches and, and kind of talking about this type of stuff. What do we do now? And, 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 and Brant told this story on this podcast. And now, now neither of these guys do these things. These are stories, you know, they're giving ideas for how you could reach your neighbor. And, and these guys aren't perfect and they don't, they don't do this stuff all the time. It's just an example that they each had, right? So my friend Brant, he lives in Florida, and he lives in a, uh, in a you know, group of nice townhomes, right? And so because of the townhome, their townhomes, they all got to be the same, right? So they pay an HOA fee, and the HOA fee, the, the, like people come and they, they mow the yard, and they, they trim the bushes, and they do all that stuff, right? You guys know this. So the HOA hired a, some people from, it was a Florida company, so they hired a, a bunch of Guatemalans to, to do this yard stuff. And Brant said, you know, he'd been living there for a couple of years, and he's like, he kept seeing all these Guatemalan people, and he said, I was just sitting there, and I was like, all of a sudden I realized, I was like, you know what, they've been doing this for two years, that I've lived here, and, and nobody, I've never said thank you to them. So he said, I just went, I said, hey guys, um, I just want to say thank you for, for cutting our yard and, and, and trimming everything and making everything look so nice. And one of the guys was like, wow, nobody, we've been doing this for years and not one person has ever said thank you to us. He said, you know what, how about Friday? None of you guys bring lunches, and I will just, I'll treat everyone to lunch. Does that, does that sound like a good thing? And they're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's just Brant, this white guy, and you know, 24 Guatemalan people eating lunch in his driveway, right? But he said, like, these people felt like, wow, somebody sees me, and somebody loves me. And somebody said, thank you. If you know anything about southern Florida, it's really hot. And it's really humid. And it's not fun work. Thank you. And Lance was like, oh, yeah, that's amazing. And Lance said, well, I got a story. He said, I, was, I lived in Kansas City for, for 20 years. And, and I, you know... We had moved into this, this house in this, this old, old neighborhood with these nice houses and these big, you know, 100-year-old houses type thing. And, and they're, they're just fun. And it, it was like, it was this great house, and we were so in love with it. It had this charm, and they had big porches, and it was just great. He said, so we move, me and my wife move in. And uh, he said, we get in. We, we've been there for a couple days, and I get this ring on my doorbell. And... Lance is like, all right. So he goes to answer the door, and he's like, this, this nice-looking lady is standing there. And he's like, hi, how, uh, how you doing? And he's like, hi, I'm, I forget her name, I'm Sheila. Hi, Sheila, nice to meet you, new to the neighborhood. He's like, yeah, I know who you are. You're a pastor. You're an evangelical pastor, and I just want you to know, I hate bleeping Christians. Turns around and walks away. 
Okay. All right. Well, he, I, I, guess, I guess I know where we stand, right? So anyway, he goes on to tell the story about how, you know, he, he, the house next to him was for sale. So he is living, doing his thing. They're just trying to be good neighbors, be good Christian people. Trying to love the Lord and, and give whatever opportunities that the Lord brings to them to, to make a difference in the neighborhood. That's what they're trying to do. He said the house next to him was, went up for sale. It sold. They move it. Family moves in. We go introduce ourselves to be neighborly. And there is, they're a Christian couple too. He goes, and wouldn't you know it, they get a ring, doorbell ring. I hate bleeping Christians. All right. Anyway, Lance said, we just, both of us, we just continued to love our neighbors. And, and he said, he said there, was, there was couples in the neighborhood that were gay, and we didn't, like, make them a project or a mission. We just loved them for who they were. He said there were people that had issues and we, we would go and we would we would talk with them we would talk through the fence and we would we would we would we would love them and we would just care for them and she said that lady you know that lady that i hate christians lady she put her house up for sale she's like oh the neighbor there goes the neighborhood christians are moving in i gotta get out of here right except she watched and she watched and she watched the way that these two families loved Jesus and loved their neighbors and loved their communities. And the for sale sign came down. And they said, so Lance was like, oh man, they sold the house. Darn it. So they went over and said, hey, you know, by this time they've become friendly. Hey, sold your house, huh? No, we took it off the market. We want to stay here. Isn't it amazing what happens when you just love people and you just try with, with, with all your might to live in community with people, to, to, to live with people in your neighborhood and to show them the love of Jesus and to have a, a, an attitude of we are family. Bowen Christian Church, you are my family. People in my neighborhood, you guys are my family. What kind of difference could we make as people of Jesus if we had just a different take on what being a Christian and and, and being a, a member of this body is, and if it's not, I go to church on Sunday... And I spend an hour there and we sing some songs and I might complain about the songs because I don't like them. Or I might complain about the teaching because the guy's a goof. But what if instead we said, you know what, where I go on Sunday morning is my church. It's the gathering of my family. And I go there to be loved on to be encouraged, to encourage other people, and to debrief, and to get pumped and engaged again for the upcoming week. Because I am living my life out every day. 
for Jesus. Wouldn't that be different than what we normally do? But don't you think that might be the way that God wants us to do it? We all need community. We all need a family. It starts in your home. It starts in your neighborhood. Sunday morning, Sunday morning is supposed to be a place where we gather, share, and debrief. Encouraged to keep battling and keep loving the world to help us stay in the Spirit. It is not supposed to be where we get a once a week spiritual instruction, our only time of worship, and our only time of encouragement. People that have been a Christian for years and years and years, and they complain about the church. It drives me nuts. They complain about not liking the teaching, or not liking the music, or not liking the whatever. And when I hear it, it always makes me think, well, is this the only time you're being taught? Is this the only time that you're hearing music that is godly? Is this the only time that you're worshiping God for one hour on Sunday morning? If that is the answer, the answer of that is yes, and that's sad. It's so sad. The problem isn't with the church's teaching. It isn't with the fact that they don't play enough hymns or enough choruses or enough Caleb songs. That's not the problem. The problem is that you are not filling yourself. You're not filling yourself. And I'm not saying that you're guilty of this. I'm saying I'm guilty of this. You're not worshiping as you should. I'm not self-feeding like I should. There are times over my 30 years of being a Christian that I have found myself saying things like, I didn't like that worship, man. Or, or I did not like that sermon. Or I did not like... The definition of sermon of, of worship, it's not hymns, it's not modern worship, it's not topical sermons, it's not exegetical sermons. The biblical definition of worship is Romans 12. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Church, if Sunday mornings is our one time of the week to give glory to God, to receive instruction, our one time to serve each other, if that is how we are living, that is a poor picture of the life that God is calling us to. A very sad thing for Jesus to have died for. Church, God is calling us to so much more than that. We have made it easy in this country to call ourselves a member of the way, to identify as a disciple of Jesus. We are called to be a family. A family that loves each other, one that wants to do good for each other, one that, has, that roots for each other, and one that sacrifices for each other. And what we see in Galatians 6, 1 through 10 is a picture of how the Spirit of God fills the church and the community of faith, and the Spirit of God creates a bond between us as people, and it creates the richest context for relationships. Richer than family context. Blood family context. Relationships. Richer than any other context of relationship on the planet. We are not a club We are not an organization. We are not an instruction group. We are not a religious group. We are people united by the very Spirit of God. 
And there's power in that. There's beauty in that. So how to live in community quickly. One, we share each other's burdens. We share each other's burdens. First part of Galatians 6, it just talks about work-related words to instruct Christians in how to care for each other in tangible ways. Christians are to be generous to others as we bear one another's burdens. And I hope here that at Bowen Christian Church, you really feel like this is a place where you can lay your burdens down. That you have a church family that cares about you and that you are not alone. We have a world out there that no one ever feels like they can let their guard down. Ever. They feel like they can just, no one ever feels like they can just be. Guess what? Unfortunately, for many people, they are hoping that the church would be a kind of place for them, only to find out that it's not really any difference between the church and the rest of the world. You've all known folks that maybe have come from a, a problem past or have messed up big, and they start going to church and hope that they would find some sort of community, they would find some sort of family, and that, that, that somebody would ha- maybe help share their burdens. And oftentimes these people will make comments like, man, I really loved all that Jesus stuff. But the church people, they treated me worse than anybody else. They gossiped about me. They judged me. They asked what I was doing here. I felt like they were questioning my sincerity. And you know what happens then, right? They chucked the whole thing. I tried that Jesus thing. It wasn't for me. Here's the deal. I know our church and I know our leadership. I know that we genuinely want to see people come to know Jesus and give their lives to him. I know that. So this is just a reminder to all of us that according to these verses, we are commanded to share each other's burdens, to help care for each other, care and carry each other's armors and weapons. You know, Paul knew that the language he used there would remind all who read it that they were under Roman rule and that, if the, there was a law that if a Roman soldier wanted anyone to carry their stuff, they could make, a Roman soldier could make you carry their stuff for a mile. Anybody remember what Jesus said about that? Matthew 5.41, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. That is how we are to love the people in our family. That is how we are to love our community. Jesus wants us to carry each other's burdens. He wants us to love each other much like a family loves each other. If you have a family member that really needs something that you can provide, what do you do? Eh, I'm praying that God provides that thing that you need, right? That's what you guys say to your family? No. What do you say? My nephew needs a bone marrow transplant. All right. Let me figure out if, I'm, I, if I qualify, right? That's what you would do. Um, my brother needs a kidney. All right, let me see if I can give it to him, right? 
I've got two. My sister needs a car, or my sister needs a bike to get to work because theirs is broken down and their engine blew up and they don't have any money to do it. Okay, I'm going to figure out how I can make that happen. That's what we do for family, right? I mean, that's what you would do. You make it happen. Paul's echoing Jesus here in Galatians. Share each other's burdens. Number two, quickly, check your heart. Check your heart. One of my favorite Christian comedians, he's fallen from grace, but he, he always said, you know, check your heart is this Christian term that we use to, like, judge other people, right? Oh, I see. You know, you've, you're, wearing, you're driving a brand new car. How much money did you put in the offering plate? You know, you know, that type of thing. Well, you better check your heart. This is not that check your heart. Paul's saying here to not judge someone else's heart, but instead judge your heart, your own heart. Look at verse 3. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. <laughs> you ever known somebody like that? A Christian that won't help someone because they think they're too important? No, right? No one would say that, but how about my actions? My actions say that? My actions will give away my heart. I can't help this person because I can't be seen associating with that person, let alone helping them. I can't help that kind of person. Church, we are called to be different. I am called to be different. I'm called to be different. Notice, notice he didn't say, if you go and get yourself cleaned up and start going to synagogue and prove yourself for three months, then you can come and get some help. No. Jesus helped people that wanted and that needed help. He let the chips fall where they fell. I know, Sobek, but, but that was Jesus. He, he knew that things that were going to work out. He knew everyone's hearts and blah, 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 blah. He knew everything. Is that why they killed him, Jesus? Is that why they killed him? You see, Jesus did know everyone's hearts. He knew what things he could do to make them happy and not want to crucify him. But he did those things anyway. Church, the first problem is when we think we are more important at all. We think, we're, we think we're so important, and Paul is, go, is asking us to check our hearts, to check our motivations, to consider why we do the things just to please men. Is that what we need to do? Or is what we need to do to please the only one whose opinion really matters anyway? Let's help people by judging ourselves. Let's not check our others' hearts, but let's check our own. Let's make sure we have done the job of taking care of us, like my motivations, my intentions. You know, it's what we tell our kids, right? You worry about you, Evelyn, Elijah. You worry about you. You don't worry about sissy. You worry about you. Number three, let's do good to everyone. Church, 
Let's do good to everyone. For everyone. I think the big problem that we face too many times is paralysis by analysis. Anybody guilty of that? You sit there and you think and you think and you think and then all of a sudden you don't do anything, right? You, you, you think yourself out of it. We think the problem is too big. We think we will make a mistake. We think, we think, we think. Do you know how to get over this paralysis by analysis thing? Do you know how to get over it? Not do it? Do good to those people that God puts in front of you. That's how. Don't worry about fixing homelessness. Start by buying food for the one that you see on the corner. It starts with one. If you just help the people that God puts in front of you, if you just love the people that God puts in front of you, we will go a long way into making a huge impact in this world. I promise. Because Jesus can take your meager actions, your five loaves and your two fishes, and he can turn them into something beautiful. 